Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, or if you're listening in the evening, good evening, uh, good afternoon, whatever time it is where you're at and what when you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Jay Siegert's our guest today. We're going to talk about something not too controversial and the, the origins of the universe and and uh, what the Bible might have to say. Um, but I want to remind you, drop off your new or used Bibles if you're in the Northeast Wisconsin area to help Mission Cry. They receive donated Bibles, uh, English Bibles, Spanish Bibles, Christian books. And I mean, when I mean Christian, I mean biblical worldview. Not everything that's sold in a Christian bookstore is biblical. Um, so you know what I mean. Um, so good Christian books or Bibles, new or used, drop them off at Calvary Chapel Appleton. They are sent, they will be sent to Mission Cry. We've had Jason Wolford on the podcast a couple of weeks ago to talk about a wonderful ministry. They equip orphans and evangelists and pastors and missionaries, and uh, they send Bibles. They have collecting, or uh, what do you call them, distribution points across the country and around the world. So that's Bibles to Calvary Chapel in Appleton, and you can go to their website or call them if you have any questions. We are not the um, mediator, the whatever you want to call it. We We just send you directly to them. And you can get your Bibles there, and they will get them over to Mission Cry. Um, some good news, another state bites the dust. Thank you, Janice, from Glen Rock, Wyoming. Uh, she sent in a donation, and she said, I wanted to let you know you have at least one listener in Wyoming, and your ministry is greatly appreciated. I listen every day, and I'm additionally grateful for all the other ministries and people you have introduced me to. Thank you for being a strong Christian voice in our crazy world. Well, God bless you, Janice. And what that means, friends, if you're new to this podcast is we now are down to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven states where, where this ministry, Lakeshore Communications, has not received a donation. Now, Kansas is one of those states. I know we have listeners in Kansas. Um, I trust we have listeners in Kansas, but I'm just saying it's very exciting to see this thing fill up. We're talking, what did I just say, 40, 43, 44 states, 43 states now? Um, in other words, there are listeners all over the place. Not everybody can donate. I understand that. But we're just having fun, just chalking off another one. So if you know Christians in Connecticut, Hawaii, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Rhode Island, and Utah, those are the only states where we have not received a donation, and we trust people are listening. Um, it's just a fun game. We're not relying on that. We're, we're, our budget is taken care of. Our needs are met. Um, but uh, God bless them for uh, listening, for giving, and thank you for sharing the podcast. Let's get to Jay Seeger today. Uh, let me read Psalm 121. It's a short psalm. I want to just start with some encouragement because I put this on a, a whiteboard at home for my wife, the first couple of verses, and it's encouraging to me. I want to encourage you right back. I will lift up my eyes to the heavens, to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. 
Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 121. Lift up your eyes to the mountains and, un- and just recognize our help comes from the Lord. So Jay Seeger is back with us, author, engineer, international speaker, managing director of the Starting Point Project, and he also has a book out called Creation to Christ, the Old Testament in a nutshell. Jay Seeger, welcome back, brother. Hey, it's always great to be on the program. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Uh, do you know anybody in Kansas or Hawaii or Utah? a few people i'll see if i can make some connections for you send some emails bro (laughs) Uh, hey let's get an update on your ministry jay you've got a lot of trips coming up to the grand canyon um you're going to arizona soon tell us about that sure always a lot going on main thing i do is travel and speak and we've also added grand canyon tours a number of years ago this year we've got five tour scheduled and on our website the startingpointproject.com you can see all the dates there's only one date that's already full. The other dates should be available if people mm-hmm. would like to go. And we don't just go to show people a big hole in the ground. It's going there to talk about the authority of God's word and that this, quote, silly flood story in the Bible is not silly. <laughs> it actually happened. And the Grand Canyon is one of the best places on the planet you mm-hmm. can go to actually see the evidences. So we go and we point all that out. How did this canyon form? Yeah. It didn't happen over millions of years of the Colorado River. It happened catastrophically just like the Bible says in Genesis 6 through 8. So that's what we do with those tours. They'll be on the rim. They'll be on the river. We see dinosaur tracks. We go to Antelope Canyon. We go to Horseshoe Bend. We raft around Horseshoe Bend. We go to the top of Horseshoe Bend and see the sunset. And it's just uh, such an encouraging trip. People are smiling the whole time, mm. and they can't wait to get home, not to go out and argue about the flood, but get home and share the gospel message with others because they're yes. confident in their faith more mm. than ever. And so that, we, yeah. we got we got that going on. I've um, recording six new videos next Monday and Tuesday, and we're going to continue to do more and more. We decided to make all of our videos free. We are no longer selling our DVDs. They're all streamable. Wow. They can get them all free online. There's 22 sessions right now available. I'm going to be making 20, 25, 30 more. We're going to do a bunch of free short videos as well. And then uh, started a new podcast. Uh, the fifth episode is coming. Is actually was just released released today, which they can get um, through Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So again, if they go to our website, thestartingpointproject.com, right on that homepage, there are links to those podcasts as well. Yeah, I just pulled it up. Starting point. Um, yeah, it's awesome, Jay Seeger. So I, I'm going to also encourage you guys to go to the startingpointproject.com and check out this picture on the homepage uh, above the word tours. There's this group of people that Jay took on one of the tours and there's a massive rock. It almost looks like it's it's going to teeter and fall on them, but how did it get there? Go look at this picture and uh, I just want to tease that, Jay. If you want to say anything about that, go ahead, but I really wanted to just point out it's just fascinating to me. Yeah, it's fun. It's just part of our trip. It's usually somewhat of a surprise to the people on the tour. We don't really promote it till we get there because we want to surprise them. But we come off rafting the river, and it's not whitewater rafting. It's perfectly smooth sailing. It's a family-friendly trip. You're not hiking uphill and hiking downhill and, you know, 
rappelling into the canyon. It, just, it couldn't be any easier than it is. Mm-hmm. But when we get off the river, uh, a few minutes later on the bus, we stop off to the side and we stop at that rock and everyone gets out and they get a group photo uh, underneath that rock. And then we actually send that picture to them after the trip. But it's just, it's awesome. It's so huge, it's like a big mushroom, but it looks like it's going to fall over at any <laughs> second. But it was uh, basically the area was carved out catastrophically, you know, during the flood and the end of the flood. And that's a remnant that did get pushed over and it'll probably stand there for a lot longer, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, so you can go to the startingpointproject.com and today's uh, topic, we, we, I warn Jay every time, let's not get, get people ruffled up and do anything controversial, but we are going to do something very light today and talk about only three options to explain the origin of the universe. Now that we have your yep. attention, <laughs> go ahead, Jay. I know well, we're going to focus a lot on the creator, God, uh, Jesus, uh, of the universe, and um, where do you, where do you want to start? You mentioned uh, a recent event about some sort of space telescope, but where do you want to start today to help people? Sure, I'll just give them a big picture overview before we launch in. We're, we're going to talk about something super simple: the origin of the universe. It's <laughs> okay. It's not that simple, and yes, it's controversial with a lot of people. But we're gonna we're gonna think through this logically. I mean, seriously. Um, in fact, I started off my podcast. The first episode was just kind of an introduction to the ministry and where we're headed with the podcast. Then the next four were all about the origin of the universe. And I, I know that we'll have a lot of skeptics listening to the podcast. So I told them, I am committing to discussing everything very logically and rationally. I don't want to avoid any topics or any evidence, but, you know, we'll, we'll talk about everything. And I really want them to think about what I am presenting. So we'll do a little bit of that today with the show. We'll talk about the origin of the universe. And yes, there really are only three options. It seems like there maybe should be more, but you'll, you'll understand why. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. There are only three. I, I talked to one guy a number of years ago and he was kind of known for poking at me and uh, one day we were talking about the universe and I said well there really are only three options and he instantly got angry no no there's there's millions of options oh my and goodness I said I said no there's there's really just three and then I even mentioned them and he said no there's there's millions and I said well could could you give me an example of an option that doesn't fit into one of these three categories that I mentioned? He goes, well, there's there's millions of them. He just kept saying that. I said, I don't need millions of examples. Just give me even one example that doesn't fit into one of these three categories. And then he changed the subject ah. because it's impossible. There aren't any other options. So we'll think them through. I'll mention each of the three, and then we'll discuss each of the three in a little bit of detail to see um what do we think about these options? And what somewhat prompted this is we have a new telescope out there, the James Webb Space Telescope. And so we're not going to focus on all the details of that today, but I'll just make a few brief comments. But the bigger, bigger, bigger picture is not even quite so much the origin of the universe. It's about the authority of Scripture. And mm. all my talks always go back to that. And why do we care about that? We care about that because it's not that we have people coming up to us every day saying, what about the origin of the universe? What about the Big Bang? They're not really doing that. But what they're doing is saying, what about transgenderism? What about gay marriage? Mm. What about wokeism? What about critical race theory? What about inflation? What about the border crisis? What about whatever? Yeah. And 
we it should never be our philosophy versus theirs. Who are who are we that the whole world should care what we think? But anytime someone brings up one of those social issues which are in our face every day, we should always say, Hold on a second. That's a fascinating topic you just brought up. Let me see what God's word says about that. And if they have a problem with what we're sharing, it's not really with us, it's with God's word, and yes. someday they'll be accountable. But too many Christians don't go that route because they're not confident they can really trust or defend the Bible. Wow. So they say, well, okay, I'll, I'll leave that off to the side, and then they just argue philosophy, and they're, they're going to get nowhere. They've already lost once they've done that. Hmm. So we're talking about the origin of the universe just as one more angle to say, you know what, what the Bible says is true accurate and trustworthy therefore you can refer to the bible when you're talking about transgenderism or anything else so jay i just want to start with a scripture that uh, god put on my heart this morning and you can go i know you have several more you'd like to share and then i i do want to hear about this james webb telescope i'm not familiar with it and i would guess um a lot of people in our audience are not familiar with that either but i want to go over to hebrews 11 verse 3 and it simply says by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. And you can break that down, but it's very, again, like Jay said, it comes back to the authority of Scripture. Is it true? Can we rely on it? Is God who he says he is? So, Jay, go ahead. Sure. Well, I, I love that you brought that up, up, that verse. I was, you know, thinking what verses could I use, and there's so many verses. Yeah. I could spend the whole show just quoting verses, but yep. that one is powerful for many reasons because it specifically talks about that what we see was created by what we don't see, and it says that we believe that by faith, and a lot of people would say, well, see, that's a weak position. Christians just have this weak faith because the Bible said something, but I'm thinking, wait a minute. The secular scientists did not see the Big Bang or any other model for the origin of the universe. They did not see it. They That's can't right. reproduce it in a laboratory, and they can't test it directly. So they also have faith in their view. That's right. Then it's just a matter of you lay these views out, and then you look at what you can see today, and then you ask, does what we're seeing today back up the biblically-based view, or does it back up these secular views? Mm. That's how we approach things. So when the Bible says that by faith we believe that, it's not a position of weakness. It's just logical. And, yeah, we have to trust that what we see today didn't come about by what we see today. Something cannot create itself. We'll get to that in a second. But um, it was created by the power of God. Whereas I'll, I'll throw this in now because I'll probably forget about it later. Yeah. It's not even in my notes. Uh, I thought of something, and you have to you have to think a little bit deeply on this. Um but I came up with this not too long ago. Christians and atheists believe the same thing. And then you're like, wait a minute, that, that can't possibly be true. We got Christians and atheists. Christians and atheists believe the same thing. And here's the thing that they both believe. <laughs> they both believe that nothing is as powerful as God. Now, when a Christian says that, they mean <laughs> there isn't anything as powerful as God. When an atheist says that, they think that the concept of nothing, that's as powerful as God is, that nothing could do everything we say God could do, so they both believe that nothing is as powerful as God. Ah, <laughs> that, that's see. kind of a unique twist play on words there, but we'll, we'll be getting into that. We'll be talking about what are the options, about how the universe got here, what makes the most sense, and what does Scripture say. But just touching off on the uh, James Webb Space Telescope, yeah, 
Everyone's heard of the Hubble yep. telescope. It's been around for quite a while and given yep. us some beautiful pictures. James Webb is just kind of a little bit of an upgrade. It's the newest one that's out there. It's uh, looking a little bit further out into the universe. And um, most scientists, whether they're Christians or secular scientists, are, are generally okay with it. It seems like the universe is probably expanding they think that maybe even it's accelerating it's going faster and faster which they can't figure out why would it be speeding up you need energy to do that so they invent dark energy <laughs> which you can't observe it or test it or anything but it must be out there because the universe seems like it's not only expanding it's going faster but just let's let's not even argue that let's say it is expanding um that means that the light is you know these stars that are out there are moving further and further away from us well if you're standing by a train coming at you you're hearing the the horn of the train and it's a certain pitch and as it drives by and starts moving away the pitch gets lowered in frequency because those sound waves are getting stretched out the doppler effect everyone's familiar with that the sound of a horn as it's moving away from you lowers in pitch because the sound waves are coming at you they're being stretched out because the source is moving away from you so you can picture those waves getting stretched out that gives you a lower frequency well when stars are moving away the light from the star, it's getting stretched out too. And if you picture a spectrum, you put light through a prism and you got the color spectrum from purples and blue on the left end and then the right end, you got the more of the reds. Um, the reds are longer wavelengths getting, you know, having been stretched out in a sense. And then on the left end, you got the blues and purples. Those are higher frequencies. Well, the, this new telescope, James Webb Space Telescope, uh, uses infrared cameras to see those that end of the spectrum on the right side where the light's a little bit more red or stretched out. Mm. So anyway, long story short, they believe that they're seeing further and further out in the universe, which in their narrative with like a Big Bang scenario, the further out they're seeing, the closer they're seeing to the Big Bang itself. Because the Big Bang happened and it's the universe is expanding. So the stuff that's way out there towards the edge, that happened shortly after the Big Bang. So the further out they see, the closer they think they're getting to when the Big Bang happened. And I'll just mention one challenge that they're finding and then we can get into uh, the theories of the origin of the universe and our three options. Mm -hmm. But one of the, the problems, which is just shocking to them, is they were thinking ahead of time. Before they saw a way out there, they're thinking if we do see out there, we should see a very immature universe because it was early on. You didn't have time to form a lot of things, especially galaxies. They think in their models that it would take three to six billion, with a B, <laughs> billion years to form these mature galaxies. Well, they believe that they're seeing back to less than 500 million years after the Big Bang one article I read said 230 million years after the Big Bang. This was well, well, well before you should see these galaxies having formed and being mature. So they just expected to see stars, gases, maybe some infant galaxies forming. Well, they're seeing fully formed mature galaxies shortly, quote, shortly after the Big Bang. It is shocking them. They say they should not be there. And some of the articles, they use sensational headlines to get your attention, like, you know, Hubble or the James Webb Telescope destroys the Big Bang. <laughs> no, not not in their minds. They are not going to give up the Big Bang. That's it's right. the only thing they really have going. So they're just going to tweak it to fit this new data, and they'll say, oh, I guess galaxies can form very quickly. Huh. Um, 
just like we won't get into it now, but they've found soft tissue and red blood cells and dinosaur bones. So instead of saying, oh, maybe those bones aren't that old, they say, oh, I guess red blood cells and soft tissue can survive for 65, 100 million years. You know, they just won't give up their narrative. So anyway, it's bringing back some beautiful pictures. It's pretty cool. But uh, what they're finding is not what they were expecting, but they'll they'll get around it. They'll just tweak their theories, too, and they'll, they'll not only encompass the new findings that at some point they will turn around and use the findings to say, see, this proves a big bang. Well, you redefine the big bang to fit with the findings. So you can't say the findings prove the big bang because you tweaked your model. So, um, interesting stuff. Just really quick, quickly, um, there are actually probably dozens of theories regarding the demise of the dinosaur. Why did dinosaurs go extinct? Well, there's probably a couple dozen theories. What does this, that tell us logically? That tells us that they don't know. Could be this, could be that, could be that, could be that. You know, some ideas are more popular than others, but the fact that they've got a lot of options tells us they don't know. Same thing with the origin of the universe. They've got all these different ideas about the universe. Some say it's always existed. Some say it came from a Big Bang. Maybe there was a Big Bang, but then it collapsed in on itself and crunched, and when it crunched, it bounced, and then it had another Big Bang. So you have these cycles of crunches and bangs, and some say multi-universe or actually millions or millions, maybe infinite number of universes out there. We're just one of them. Maybe we're just a massive black hole. I read an article a couple weeks ago. Maybe the entire universe is just a single atom. Maybe the universe doesn't actually exist it's a delusion. Oh, boy. Uh, there's something, and we probably won't even get to it today, but there's something called the Boltzmann brain, which is just fascinating. Uh, I'll maybe come back to that later. Maybe the universe is just a hologram, and then maybe it's an alien simulation. There are aliens out there who created, like, a computer game, a simulation, and we are in the simulation. And even Neil deGrasse Tyson, one of the leading astrophysicists today, atheist, he says there's a 50-50 chance that the universe isn't really real. We're just in an alien simulation, and there's no real way for us to figure out wh- which one it is. Is it a real universe or is it a simulation? So you just got all these bizarre ideas before we even get to what are our three only logical okay. options. Um, so it is. it gets bizarre. Um, but these are, you know, world's leading scientists. And yeah. I'll quickly quickly say these, these scientists are brilliant. They are very, very intelligent, but the Bible says there's a big difference between wisdom and intelligence. They got a lot of facts in their head, but they can't apply them properly because they lack the wisdom, which only comes from the fear of God. Most don't respect God. A lot of them don't even believe in God. So one of the ways they get around it is just by redefining things. And in the past, uh, these programs where I've done interviews with you, we've, we've talked about the concept of tolerance, which is actually at its root, a good thing. We need to tolerate others. We can't just kill them because we think differently. But tolerance morphed into acceptance, where you're not only putting up with them, you're actually accepting what they're doing. Acceptance morphed into celebration. Not only, not only accept what they're doing, but you have to actually celebrate with them. And now, more recently, celebration has tr- turned into participation. If you don't participate with them, you're a bigot and all these things that we're dealing with today. And with transgenderism, we were changing the definition of male and female, which they can't even define. Mm. But within science, they have changed the definition of science. It's been hijacked. Uh, most major areas of science we have today were birthed out of the Christian community. And back then, it was simply the search 
for explanations for the natural world around us. The scientists took for granted, it was a given, that God created the universe. There's, there's no way that this just happened on its own. That was so obvious. And if God is a God of order, they expected to see order in nature. So they started searching and they found all these regularities. They formulated different laws and established these areas of science. So it was simply looking for explanations of how this universe that was created by God, how it operates. But it has morphed and now it is a search for natural explanations mm. of the world around us. They are only looking for natural explanations so I think it was Dr. Scott Todd from Kansas State University said, even if all the data point to an intelligent designer, such an hypothesis is excluded from science because it's not naturalistic. So he's admitting even if all the data and evidence scream a God, a creator, designer, they're just going to rule it out because, well, that's not a natural explanation, and we only are looking for natural explanations. So they will never find scientific evidence for the existence of God or designer creation because when it lines up that way, they'll just say, well, they, they can't count because they can only be natural explanations. That was a philosophical decision, yeah. not a scientific conclusion. Yeah, so, it's fascinating. Um, by the way, I, I pulled up some images from the James Webb Telescope, and friends, if you want to just blow your mind by some some of these images that they can see uh, into space with stars and every, the galaxies, just go look up, look that up, uh, James Webb Space Telescope. But, Jay, I, I just can't help but think when you're talking about some of these things. Uh, about that book that came out maybe 10 years ago called I I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Because to me, when you read the Bible and you look at pictures like we're seeing from some of these telescopes now, it I really believe it takes more faith to think there is no God and everything came from nothing and it's just random. I think it takes more faith to believe that than our well-informed worldview that has plenty of historical backup, fulfilled prophecy, evidence, eyewitness testimony of, of Jesus, the resurrection. It, I, it's just astounding to me. I just would love to close this first segment with your thoughts on that. Oh, yeah, this, this is huge. This is actually going to be more important than the second segment. The second segment is going to be fascinating, intriguing. People are going to love it. But this, as we close out, uh, the first portion here is more important. We are dealing with a spiritual issue, not an academic debate. Yes. Romans 1 makes it so clear in summarizing. Mm. Romans 1 says that God has put so much evidence just in nature itself yes. that mankind is without excuse. No one will ever be able to say, I would have believed in you, God, but you didn't give me any evidence. God says, no, I gave you plenty of evidence. In fact, it says that God himself has placed the knowledge of his existence inside every single human mm. being. Wow. There are no people that don't know that God exists. There have some that have chosen to reject the evidence, and God says, okay, I'm not going to force you to believe in me, but if you do reject all this evidence, there there are consequences. And the rest of Romans 1 talks about all those consequences. God gives them to a reprobate mind, darkened thinking, professing themselves to be wise to become fools. Mm. They're not thinking clearly anymore. That's what we're dealing with. So when we throw out facts, they will just not see it clearly. They'll try to interpret it differently. This is ultimately a spiritual issue, and we need to keep that in mind when we're talking to them. I just want to close out this first segment by sharing the, some of those scriptures that you just um, quoted and paraphrased, starting in Romans 1, verse 19. And by the way, friends, Jay Siegert, thestartingpointproject.com. Um, verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them, 
For God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. In verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Um, Jay, that is so descriptive of some of the most intelligent and educated men and women on our planet. We've got about a minute and a half left. Just uh, share a little bit more. Sure. There, I, I share a quick story. It'll fit in perfectly here. I was over in um, London and Oxford uh, lecturing last August, and I was part of a conference, and one of the other speakers, he was an evangelist from Northern Ireland. I met with him at a conference there, you know, previous year, so I knew him. Great guy. Again, he's an evangelist, not a scientist. He's an evangelist, but he was witnessing to a nuclear physicist who was an atheist, and he shared this story with me. So he's talking to the nuclear physicist. The nuclear physicist said to him, he doesn't believe that God exists. The evangelist said, no, you know God exists, but you hate him. Hmm. You love your sin, and you fear God's wrath. The nuclear physicist looked back at him in the eye and said, you are the wisest man I've ever met. <laughs> Unbelievable. He admitted. Wow. I, that's awesome transparency. You don't generally don't get that, but right. he admitted. It's not the evidence. He just wants to live his life how he wants to live. He doesn't want God to exist. Yeah, it's interesting. I think of people like apologists, uh, Frank Turek and others who get in conversations with people who are angry, and then it comes out that they're angry at God, but they say that they don't believe in God. And Frank says, so describe this God that you're angry with. And yes. when they describe him, it, it is not at all the God of the Bible. It is not his nature, his character. It's not what the Bible says about him and who he is. Their perception because of their ideas of the world. Anyway, so much more to unpack and get into with Jay Siegert talking about something not too controversial, and that is only three options to explain the origin of the universe. More coming right up on Stand Up for the Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. Remember, over on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and others, you can hear The Starting Point, and it's a podcast, a new one, uh, from Jay Siegert. Uh, Jay, we are Stand Up For The Truth, and I do point people to a lot of different resources, and we've got over 200 on our website, StandUpForTheTruth.com. Yours is listed there, over 200. One word, resources. If you scroll over that, it says Trusted Resources. And one of those is Frank Turek, crossexamined.org. And I do want to mention something about his beliefs. We are brothers in Christ, but we don't break fellowship over certain things. And Jay, I'll just let you explain, just if people go there and and uh, read some of his stuff or hear him speak and mention um, the Big Bang or whatever. I just want you to share your thoughts, because I know you spoke with him once. Sure, yeah, very briefly, and, and this isn't really about Frank. It's about just a concept that people should be aware of, that there are a lot of great, you know, gifted Christian speakers out there, and Frank is certainly one of them. He's very, very gifted, very powerful in his arguments. One uh, issue that he and I would differ on, and we have, is the age of the universe, the age of the earth. He is not impressed at all with the six-day creation account. Uh, I am. I think it's 
extremely biblical, and I think there's a lot of actual evidence, scientific, and you know all those things. We're not here to debate that right now. Just to point that out, so if someone is reading his book and you would glean a lot of good stuff from him, mm-hmm. just be aware that he is coming at things from the standpoint of accepting the Big Bang and 13.8 billion years for the universe, 4.6 billion years for the earth and all that. And he doesn't think that Genesis is a literal six-day creation account. And he's not the only one. There are many other, Hugh Ross and many others yeah. who are, again, gifted speakers, very intelligent, generally friendly. Um, so we're not quibbling that. We're just pointing that out. Just like I would expect someone to say, hey, Jay's got a lot of good stuff, but just know he's a six-day creationist and keep that in mind. <laughs> that it's good for them to know. Yeah, so. yeah good. So now we can move on. Um, but there are a lot of good resources out there, a lot of people, and, and this is a debate. Here, one question, though, Jay, before we dive back into this, um, I've always wondered, I mean, they can't prove the you know billions of years. I hear this National Geographic program or, or on the History Channel uh, the shot of the earth and they're looking at the different continents and nature it's a nature program and the narrator often starts off by saying millions or billions of years ago and i'm thinking okay why not trillions why not why if if it can be billions jay why can't it be trillions am i too being too simplistic asking that question not really. I mean, it's a good question of what it, what made him settle on the numbers yeah. they use. Again, yeah. universe thirteen point eight billion years, the Earth four point six. Those yeah. have those have changed historically and gotten older, but it's <laughs> it has settled out. So I'm not going to make fun of them for saying, "Well, they always change their minds," because they haven't changed their minds much for quite a while. But the problem is. How are they coming up with the numbers and yeah. what else is going on behind the scenes that gets thrown out, thrown in the trash because it didn't fit with the expected narrative? And there is much, 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 much more of that, things that get thrown away. And you could go into the garbage and say, why didn't you use this one? Well, that that can't be right because it doesn't match up with what we believe. It's like, wait a minute, who cares what you believe? What does the science say? And very often dates are thrown out because they don't match up with the narrative. Mm-hmm. And so that there would be a whole nother show. Yeah. And if, if the listeners heard about that, they'd say, wow, I am not really so impressed with this radiometric dating stuff. It's not that none of it can ever be accurate, but when you know the assumptions that are going into the methods and how they ultimately pick and choose, and just very, very, very quickly, um, the assumptions they make aren't good. But if you give them the assumptions, fine. You can have your assumptions. Still, 90% of all the processes that we have around us that we could use to turn into a clock, 90% yield ages that are far too young for a Big Bang or evolution or any of that, but they get discarded because they don't fit the narrative. So they hold on to a small handful that still give them old dates, and they can work with those because once you get to millions and billions, it's like, well, anything could happen in millions and billions of years. Right. Right. Cares what the you know, so that's kind of how it works. Right. So, I, did you say assumptions? <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, what does that mean? That means it's nothing you can one hundred percent bank on and rely on, or say this is a fixed, absolute truth or fact. You can't because you've got to start with assumptions. So, I don't want to spend too much time there. But Jay, did did we talk about how uh, some of the uh, terms are being redefined? Have we talked about that? We did talk about redefining terms. We'll get to one specifically in just a a minute here. But the assumptions, let me give you a super quick overview of of kind of radiometric (laughs) dating with something that everyone would understand. Okay. Um, 
picture everyone everyone to picture their kitchen sink at home okay and a glass is sitting in the sink they walk into the kitchen there's a glass sitting in the sink it's half full with water and the faucet's dripping maybe a drop per second and now they're trying to figure out how long has that glass been sitting there you know quote the age of the glass go how long has it been sitting in the sink so they eye up the glass how big it is they see it's half full it's dripping i don't know maybe take an hour to kind of fill up halfway so they just came up with an estimate for the age of the glass, how long it's been sitting there. They took a real, honest-to-goodness process, the water dripping. It is actually dripping. Everyone can see that, mm-hmm. no doubt. But they made three assumptions about the whole situation in order to turn that into a clock. Water dripping isn't a clock. It's a process. If you make assumptions about it, you can turn it into a clock. What are the three assumptions everyone made without even realizing it? Number one, they assumed that whenever the glass is put in the sink, it was empty to begin with. Now they're smiling like, yeah, I assume uh-huh. that. Why did you assume that? It might have been half full to begin with. Uh-huh. You don't know that. Let's say it was half full. Someone sets it in there. You walk in there two seconds later. Oh, it's been there an hour. No, it's been there two seconds. It was half full to begin with. That was an assumption. Second assumption, you assumed that when the glass was in there, no other sources of water entered the glass. What if it was empty? Someone walked by with a bottle of water. They dumped a whole bunch in there, walked out. You walk in two seconds later. It's been there an hour. No two seconds, Mm -hmm. but there was another source of water that was added. Third and final assumption, the water dripping, the process everyone can see right now. They assumed it was always dripping at one drop per second. Well, if the glass was empty, no other sources went in, and it was always dripping one drop per second, yeah, it might take an hour. But what if someone put the glass in empty, turned a faucet on full blast, slammed it shut when it was half full, and then it was just dripping after that? They walk out. You walk in two seconds later. It's been there an hour. No, it's been there two seconds, but the water that's dripping now was flowing a lot faster before you got there. Everyone can understand that, how their estimate could be way off. Those are the three assumptions that are made in radiometric dating. I won't get into the technical details. That's great. Those are the assumptions that are made. And if the assumptions are wrong, the dates are going to be way off. Jay, you just did something that few of our guests can do. Even help me understand. You did it. Sure. You did (laughs) it. Thank you. Even I get that. Um, That's good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, you know, you have to understand assumptions, right? So, okay. um, Where do you want to go next? We've got about, um, let's see, about 15 minutes. Okay, we will. We'll see how far we get. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We don't have an agenda. We'll just start going through, sure. wrap it up whenever. I will mention because we we have to mention the three options. That's what people are tuning in for. Yeah. So, what are the three <laughs> options for the origin of the universe? Well, here they are. The universe was either created by nothing, or it was created by something, or it wasn't created at all. Meaning, it has always existed. Those are the only options. Mm. It was created by nothing. It was created by something, or it wasn't created because it's just always been here. Now, some people say, well, there's a fourth option. It doesn't actually exist. Okay, well, that doesn't really talk about its origin, and if it doesn't exist, we're not here debating it. Um, Quick humorous story. There was a Christian apologist at, I think, one of the Ivy League schools, maybe Yale, and he was giving a talk on the defense for Christianity, and in the middle of his talk, one of the students stood up and loudly yelled, how do I even know I exist? And the speaker lowered his glasses, looked at him and said, and whom shall I say is asking? And then he put his glasses back up and he kept talking. That's all he said. And thinking, that's powerful. If he doesn't exist, he didn't just ask, ask the question. He doesn't need an answer. If he does exist and he really answered the, asked the question, 
then he obviously exists because he couldn't have asked a question if he didn't. Anyway, that's awesome. So brilliant. So, so cre- we're going to rule out the idea that the universe doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. So created by nothing. Nothing. Created by created something. By something. Can, can we add someone or something? Well, there's or something. We'll get to it. We'll get okay. to that. I'm going to okay. I'm going to describe each of these very briefly okay. here. So that, it's created by nothing, created by something, or it's always, always existed. Exist. All right. So um, created by nothing. Okay. Well, we should be able to rule that out immediately because nothing can't do anything. Nothing is nothing but nothing. That's why we call it nothing. So we should be able to just easily pass by that. You know, the universe could not have been created by nothing because nothing isn't anything. It can't do anything. So we we would cross that one out initially, but put a marker there because we're actually going to come back to it in a second. <laughs> um, the second option, the universe was created by something. Okay, that's certainly a logical option, uh, but that's very vague. Something. What was that something? Well, we have two sub-options for what the something could have been. It was either the universe itself, which would be the natural world. Well, something cannot create itself. It would have to exist first to do anything, but if it already exists, it's not creating itself. So that's a logical absurdity. Mm. Everyone knows something can't create itself. So if the universe was not created by the natural world, it had to have been created by something outside of the natural world. Well, that would be the supernatural world, but that's where the alarms go off. A separation of church and state. You can't mention that in the school system. Well, I have a question. What experiments did you do in the laboratory to determine there is nothing outside of the natural world? There can't be a supernatural world. It's impossible. You cannot do a scientific experiment to say that non-physical things don't exist. Science only deals with physical things. Mm. So it was a philosophical decision for them to say, we don't want anything outside of the universe. It has to be something within the natural world. Again, that's not a scientific conclusion whatsoever. They just decided we're going to rule out. We don't want it to be supernatural. We won't teach that in our school systems. We won't give that as an option. So we've just ruled out the universe couldn't have created itself, but it couldn't have been created by something outside of itself because they don't like that option. Mm -hmm. It's not a, there wasn't a scientific problem with it. They're just, they don't want that as an option. So we've ruled out that it was created by nothing. And now we just ruled out it was created by something. So that leaves a third option. It wasn't created. It has always existed. Mm. Well, if it's always existed, it wasn't created. If it wasn't created, you don't need the beginning. It didn't have a beginning. If it doesn't have a beginning, it doesn't need a beginner. If it doesn't need a beginner, you don't need God. Uh, this view also comes with free chocolate chip cookies, which is very appealing to me. Um, <laughs> but it, it goes back to the ancient Greeks. You know, this wasn't a new idea. They thought, well, maybe the universe has just always existed. It was very popular, historically speaking, with scientists because it got them off the hook. They didn't have to explain the beginning of the universe because it didn't have a beginning. But the more they looked at science, the more they realized that doesn't cut it. Mm. Two quick reasons why. One has to do with Edwin Hubble and the Hubble telescope. He did determine, ah, it looks like the universe is expanding and getting bigger. Well, if it's getting bigger and bigger now, that means you roll the tape backwards, <laughs> it smaller and smaller. It all goes back to a single point at which they believe the universe had a beginning. That's when they introduced the idea of this Big Bang, when they talked about this speck expanding and forming the universe, Sir Frederick Hoyle, who was one of the world's leading astronomers and mathematicians, he was also an atheist for most of his life, when he heard about this new idea, he said, what, like a like a Big Bang? Mm-hmm. He was being sarcastic, and the name stuck. So uh. that's where 
And the Big Bang actually doesn't even explain the origin of the universe. We probably won't get to that in this program. It doesn't kick in until after you have everything you need. The Big Bang is just a description of how it expanded. But so the idea that the universe has always existed first was challenged by it looks like everything was in one little point in the past at which, you know, the universe had its beginning. The other one is the second law of thermodynamics. First law of thermodynamics, actually first and second are the, probably the best laws we have in science. First law says you, you can't get something out of nothing. Second law says when you do have stuff left to its own, it, it goes downhill over time. Yes. Uh, it becomes less and less useful. Well, if the universe was eternal, there'd be no gas left in the universe. The tank would be empty. There'd be no energy or organization left, but there's a lot of organization. We call it the cosmos, which means order. So scientists themselves, secular scientists, realize, okay, the universe had a beginning. Well, we just ruled out all three options, created by nothing, created by something, and it always existed. you got to pick one of them because those are the only three options. So what do they do? They went back to that the universe was actually created by nothing, and we can mm. get into that if wow. we have time here. <laughs> wow, gosh, so much to think about here, but, but I think you're giving a lot of good information on just allowing us to reason uh, through logic, but we know what the Scriptures teach, and now let's, let's hear some of the arguments against you know, the authority of the Bible and God being a creator. I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at a laptop right now. I've got an iPhone nearby. All these things, someone had to put these things together. These, all these little different parts didn't just, just accidentally, randomly come together in this new technology. A building had to have a builder, a design of some kind had to have a designer. Creation had a creator. And I, th- I don't think we're being too simplistic when we use those analogies. Do you? No, not at all. It's very, very logical. We have, yes. we're, we're not saying it's true because we're quoting scripture. Now, I think we could actually go there up, but even for now, we're just looking at things logically. Yes. Show me one thing in this world, you know, that has some function that just happened by accident. You know, even the, the pen you're using or whatever it is, you can always trace it back to an intelligent source. So when we look at our own DNA, which blows away yeah. our laptops, <laughs> why would we say that that happened by accident? It doesn't make sense, but what they do is they put the magic fairy dust of time on it. Well, if you have enough time, anything can happen. No. Um, only things that are possible will occur. You show me. Don't tell me the time. Tell me the processes that occurred mm. to take a Big Bang and create the universe and then create chemicals and then create a living cell. And then how did that simpler, it's not a simple cell, but simpler than us, how did that cell copy itself and get more and more complex over time? Where did all the new information come from to build a human being? Show me those processes. Don't tell me about the time right now. Time doesn't do anything. In fact, the more time we have, the more things are going downhill because of the second law of thermodynamics. So we're we're just looking at logic here. Right. And so we're talking about everything coming from nothing. And people will say, well, that's not what the scientists believe. I mean, they talk about the Big Bang and all that. I was like, okay, the next time someone says they believe in the Big Bang, ask them, in a sense, humorously, what banged. Now, they don't actually believe it was technically an explosion of things out into space because space didn't exist yet. <laughs> they talk typically about a singularity, a speck floating in nothing. Space didn't exist. Time didn't exist. When the universe began, it created time and it created space. So ask them, what was this thing that expanded that formed the universe? And if they're knowledgeable at all, they'll say, well, it was, we call it a singularity. Everything in the universe was scrunched down into a single point, maybe the size of an electron or something. And it was sitting there. And then it, the Big Bang is how it expanded and formed the universe. Okay. 
I, I, for now, I won't argue, where did the spec come from? Well, there was a fluctuation in the quantum vacuum that produced the oh, spec geez. that then expanded. Okay, fascinating. Tell me about this quantum vacuum. <laughs> and what was the fluctuation? What caused it to fluctuate? Where did the quantum vacuum come from? Well, if you push them hard enough, they will have to admit that everything came from nothing. Yeah. And in fact, I was talking to some West Point officers uh, a series of, of days, and in the evenings, I'm you know doing further research, and I ended up watching a lecture by probably about six or seven atheists, theoretical physicists and astrophysicists, and their topic with a very large audience, the topic was, what is nothing? <laughs> and I thought, I thought this is going to be fascinating because to me, as soon as you say you have nothing, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else you can say what about it. nothing? Define nothing. Nothing is nothing. Nothing is nothing but nothing. Yeah. If you, as soon as you start assigning properties to it, we're not talking about nothing anymore. But yeah. part of the lecture, one of the guys said he envisioned nothing as being almost infinitely far away from the quantum vacuum. And the, the audience was so impressed. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I don't care how far you are away from a quantum vacuum. A quantum vacuum is not nothing. You can't even be far away from it if nothing exists. You can't even have distance. You That's can't right. have dimensions. Oh, God. So, it wasn't making any sense. And we also have uh, Stephen Hawking, who he was oh, one of the world's, he was probably the world's leading theoretical physicist until he passed away. He had to explain, how do you get something out of nothing? So he said, because there is a law such as gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. It's an exact quote. Because there is a law such as gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Well, brilliant scientist. Let's think about what he said, though. Yeah. He said, because there's a law of gravity, because there's something... The universe can and will create itself from nothing. Wait a minute. If you have something, you don't have nothing. And what was the nothing he mentioned, or the something he mentioned? The law of gravity. Well, what is the law of gravity? It's not a physical thing that you can weigh and paint and bend. That's right. It's a description of how the universe operates. But you yes. cannot have a description of how the universe operates unless you have a universe to describe. But if you have a universe to describe, you don't have nothing. You have an uh, entire universe. It's already here. So... Uh, one other quick quote, Lawrence Krauss, one of the leading theoretical yeah. physicists today, yeah. brilliant scientist, atheist. Yeah. He had to explain this, too. Here was his, I'll use a quote and unquote so you know what his words were. Quote, even if you accept this argument that nothing is not nothing, you have to acknowledge that nothing is being used in a philosophical sense. But I don't really care about what nothing means to philosophers. I care about the nothing of reality. And if the nothing of reality is full of stuff, then I'll go with that, unquote. So wow. he just redefines nothing to be something, and then he uses the something to explain how the universe got here. That's not science. <laughs> That's craziness. So Jay, um, gosh, I can't now. I'm I can't get this song out of my head from the '70s. Nothing from nothing. But nothing, Billy, yeah, means Billy something. Preston. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing from nothing. Does it say nothing from nothing get, means nothing, or what is it? Anyway, yeah, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm now my head's spinning. But so the universe was created by either nothing, something, or it always existed. Um, can you t tell us a little bit more? Help me understand what the heck is a quantum vacuum? Where do they come up with this idea? And how can you have something when you're talking about the origins of the universe when there's nothing but there's a quantum vacuum? I know. I think you already kind of touched on that, but I don't understand what a quantum vacuum is. I know what a vacuum cleaner is. 
Um, but what's yeah, a, it's, it's just a vacuum where they say it's devoid of anything and there's no energy or whatever. So they say it's kind of empty, but what is empty? What's, what's crazy when you use their own logic, their own words against them, they will say that they can create in the laboratory a vacuum where there's nothing inside of it. And then they see virtual particles coming in and out of existence very quickly so they can see how something could come out of nothing. Well, wait a minute. You can't say that you have nothing in that vacuum because you tell us that 95% of our universe is stuff we can't see or detect that's dark energy and dark matter so if you're admitting most of the universe is something we can't even see or detect how can you create this convenient vacuum in a laboratory and tell us there's actually absolutely nothing in there and we can see how particles are coming in and out of nothing how do you know there's not dark matter in there mm. or dark energy that's yeah. producing you know something so they can't have it both ways it makes a lot more sense that we have a written record from God who is telling us some things that we can't figure out on our own, but he's telling us that. And then when we look at the real world around us, everything lines up with what he's told us to begin with. Mm. So the, the quantum vacuum is invisible. Yeah, I mean, there's okay. nothing to see. Right. They just say, and what's the edge of it? You know, right. how does it keep it? For, it's just, okay. it's it's all theoretical, and it gets really deep and really, really impressive. And that's where people say, man, I, I don't know how they figured that so, out. I, I couldn't, but I'm glad they do. So, Jay, if you took a handful of powdered sugar and threw it at the quantum vacuum, would you be able to see the dimensions and the how it was formed and what shape it was? Uh, who knows? Everything is so theoretical. You know, maybe someday. Where did you? Let you know, know no, Jay, you're supposed to ask me. Well, where did you get the powdered sugar? Anyway, yeah, that's true. Um, so, so to quote Billy Preston from 50 years ago, "Nothing from nothing leaves nothing." nothing. You gotta have gotta something. Have something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Jay, we've just got two, actually, a minute and a half left. Um, just encourage people to to just think through things logically and. I think one of the most important points you made, other than trusting the authority of Scripture here today, was to ask good questions. Go ahead. Yeah, that's one of the most powerful things people could do. They they ask me for advice. What should we do? And and I say, well, read these fifty million books, watch all these videos, and memorize everything that I know. It's like, no, that's not practical. Listen, two things: listen to people to hear what they're claiming. Yep. And how they came to that conclusion and why they're confident it's actually accurate. Ask all those questions so then you're in a position to ask further follow-up questions. And in the process, all you're doing is listening and asking for clarity. In that process, they will paint themselves into a corner and they will realize, wow, I can't back up the claims I'm making. And you haven't even started to say anything about your beliefs. If you jump in right away, well, the Bible says six days, they're going to jump all over you and make you Prove your views, and if you stumble, you're done. So don't even get to what you believe right away. Just ask them for clarity. How do you get something out of nothing? Show me an experiment that verifies that. What from science shows it can actually happen? Oh, my goodness. This was such a beneficial hour for me. Um, and what's, what's, that, uh, what's, that, what's that noise I hear? Uh-oh. <laughs> Billy Preston. Yeah. Yep, you got to have oh, something. Go. He did say nothing from nothing leaves on. Yep, thank you, thank you, Billy. Um, Jay Seeger, thestartingpointproject.com. Jay, this was actually a fun learning hour. So uh, they're, sometimes they make your brain hurt, but this was actually enjoyable, and I think you gave people a lot of good information and points that they can use and uh, really encourages our faith, I, I think, too. Hopefully it did. If you have any comments, get a hold of Jay, thestartingpointproject.com. Any complaints, get a hold of Jay. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or you can email comments at standupforthetruth.com. Brother, thank you. God bless your ministry, and uh, check out his Grand Canyon tours, friends. 
Always a pleasure. All right, Jay. Thank you, sir. All right, uh, looking ahead to next week, Monday, we're going to tackle some headlines, and also we're going to get to some news stories. Um, we're going to try to vary the topics. There are some that we always come back to because it seems like these are battles within the church, uh, things that we need to understand how to respond to some of these cultural uh, debates. Uh, so we'll do that on Monday a little bit, talk about some news, um, world news, political of course, culture issues. Tuesday, I can't wait to have apologist and author Natasha Crane back with us. By the way, she's got a new podcast with Alisa Childers. Uh, Wednesday, you will hear a rebroadcast from Pastor Kevin Minsky. And then we're working on uh, Thursday and Friday, but Mary Danielson will be back from vacation, all refreshed and ready to go. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in, for sharing the podcast. Let me know if you know anybody in Kansas that listens. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.